this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Go with me to John chapter 17. As we're going there, I, I just want to recognize some people today that I, I believe are here. Ben, once you stand up, this is Ben Bacon, one of our Marines. Home. Um, getting married in May. Hallelujah, another one bites the dust. Hey, hey. No, I'm just kidding you. It's a good thing. Glad to have you home here. Actually, Mike, why don't you and Sarah raise your hand? I see you guys over here. They're engaged to be married on February 15th. Praise the Lord. Great. We've got a lot of them getting married. It's a good thing. And then uh, all you ones, I know Stacy's here, Aaron's here, and Travis is here. They're all at, at, at a ministry school up in Colorado Springs. Why don't you guys stand up? Just want to recognize you guys. Here they are. Glad they're all home here. That's a good thing. Thank you guys for serving and being blessing. Well, praise the Lord. Like I said, I'm, I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm, I'm going to talk about just this morning. You know, I, I thought about cutting some of my scriptures just because it was cold, but I, I thought about this that I've never gone to a football game, and just because it's cold, they cut fourth quarter. And so I thought, why would I cut church? It's going to be good. We'll be all right. And if, if, if you're cold, just snuggle up there with someone. You say, well, I don't know them. Well, it's okay. Go ahead. Jump in there. I want to talk about exiting 2014 and entering 2015 because I believe every one of us in here need to be stirred up with faith, need to be stretched in. And the word destiny has to do with our destination. And when I say that, you can be on your way to heaven, but hating the journey. And I believe God wants to get us here today where when we come into 2015, you look at 2015 unlike any other year that you have. And, and, and to get there, you, you can't procrastinate. God's not the God of procrastination. And i got to get away from being lukewarm and lazy. Do you know lukewarm and lazy, those are the snacks of the devil? And so just real quickly here, you begin to see the bar being raised. Look at John 17 and at verse number 4. Just one verse here that has really jumped out to me. And this is Jesus' words. Now listen real close to this. I have glorified you on the earth, and I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Now this is what Jesus said to Father God. And he said, I've glorified you for these 33 years I was here on the earth. And I finished or I've completed my assignment. I've got to the finish line. I believe for, for the start of this year, this ought to be our heart's cry right here. That I glorify God no matter what you do in life, that you can stand before God and say, Lord, if I've done anything in 2015, it's going to be glorify your name, but I want to live with a purpose and I want to cross the finish line just as Jesus said. And so when saying that, Understand this, that in 2015, it'll be a year of great opportunity, but with great opportunities, always great opposition. I believe there will be great opposition this year. And, and just in, in times of prayer, I, I sense 2015 will be a great year, but it'll also be a year of tragedy. And the reason I can say that is when you see how the Bible begins to, to come this way to the end of time, as we get closer to the ends of times, there'll be things that will begin to increase, even uh, uh, tragedies, calamities. So just get ready. And I don't say that to put fear in you. I say that to say, we're going to trust God. 
Now turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And you know, to live like Jesus, we just talked about to live with purpose and finish the race. Listen, guys, it just won't happen. It won't just happen by coincidence. Do you know the Lord said in, in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, He said, I set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Each one of us in here are going to have to make some kingdom choices to start this year. And I believe the choices we start this year with will propel us throughout the year. Ephesians 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. Now, that, that same verse in the Amplified says that you live purposefully. And I believe that's big that we understand this, that God wants us to live with purpose. And he says, not as fools, but as wise. There's only two choices there. I'm either going to live as a fool or I'm going to live wise. And he'll go into to do some description here about how you get there. He says in verse 16, redeeming the time or making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. There's almost an urgency in the Apostle Paul when he said that, that their days of evil are here. And we're seeing that. He goes on to say in verse 17, therefore, do not be unwise but understand or grasp what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk in wine, which is dissipation. Now, he goes along here and he's given us all these things we should do. And all of a sudden he throws this in here. Don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. And, and the word dissipation literally means that you're going to ruin your life. And when he talks about uh, uh, the alcohol here, he's saying basically... That's just a temporary fix. That's just a temporary high. And he's saying, plus, on the, on the other side of that, that's the way you used to live. That's not how you're marked anymore. And then he jumps into this and says, but be filled with the Spirit. A lasting joy. And, and when you look at what he's talking about here, when I come under the influence of the Holy Spirit, He'll begin to transform my life. You'll begin to see things in your life. It's like when you come under the influence of the alcohol, it's very obvious because you get a case of the stupids. But in this situation, he says, man, when you come under the power of the Holy Spirit, the influence of the Holy Spirit, he's going to be the one that's going to help you with all the previous verses. To live with purpose. To hang on to the things of God, even though the days are evil. And so this is one of the great things that to start this year. Man, begin to desire the help and, and the, the influence of the Holy Spirit unlike any other time. Man, fill me today, Lord. Fill me with the Spirit of God. Fill me with hope. I'm going to give you three examples now for the rest of the morning to stir you up here on what we need to do. Begin with me in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Now, as you're turning to Mark 5, I believe just what we've already read, that 2015 will be a year you live as wise or you'll live as foolish. To live wise, you're going to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. To live foolish, you're going to live by your flesh. Doesn't matter who you are. And so I, I, I like to say it this way. I believe 2015 will be a year that we need to turn our head off and turn our heart on. 
Start allowing God to move in your heart and follow the leading. You know, in, in Romans 8, 14, it says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. God wants to lead us in this way. But once again, there'll be great opportunity. But with all the opportunity, there will be great opposition too. We begin. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. 4,380 days. And he had, su- and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now, just in saying that right there, what we read, this woman was in this predicament for 12 years. She had tried everything she could according to mankind. She was bankrupt. And rather grew worse than better. And so when you look at this, this woman, it would have been easy for her to be a full-time complainer. It would have been easy for her to live in a perpetual state of a pity party. She would be a great candidate for someone that says, you know what? I have no hope. I would just soon quit. I would just soon give up or just settle and think, you know what? This is the way my life has been for 12 years, and this is the way it's always going to be. And maybe right now, this defines you. So you look here, for 12 years of her life, she had literally been through hell here on earth. Verse 27. But when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now, everything up to this point in her life said, impossible now without asking for a show of hands how many of you have a situation today in your life where you say everything in my life says impossible on this but what I want you to note here is it said when she heard about Jesus so just in that statement right there tells me she began to hang around Jesus She began to hang out with the things of God. And I don't know when she heard about Jesus, if that was in church, another individual, or just being around the things of God in her life. But I believe that's a key for every one of us. You want to change your life for this coming year? Start hanging around Jesus. Start getting around Him on a daily basis and watch what's going to happen. You'll never imitate God or the things of God without hanging out with God. And purpose in your heart. Man, i got to get around God. So this is what begins to happen to her. And so look, look what ultimately goes on in verse 28. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And when she said, if only I may touch his clothes. Have you ever thought in this verse, who was she talking to? I believe personally she was talking to herself. And the only person that you have to convince or persuade in your life in the impossible situation you're in right now is yourself. And if you'll note on there, how did she do that? For she said, she began to speak, she began to say the very things that she believed God would do in her life. You want to change your 2015? Start broadcasting to yourself on a daily basis what you believe God will do for you. 
Begin to speak it and speak it with a boldness and get back into faith. And this is exactly what this woman did. And you'll see here in this that it shaped her life the same way it'll shape yours. You know, with this, with this situation with this gas line that's ruptured in our parking lot, I'm going to be very truthful here. This has literally wore me out. I, I have not slept well. Man, I'm, I'm wondering if our pipes are going to freeze and break. And yesterday we were up here making sure the little bitty heaters were still going and everything, and we're on our way home. And my wife looks at me and she said, you need to get back in faith. And when she said that, I just looked. I didn't say anything, but I realized out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And she wasn't being ugly to me, but it was a wake-up call to me that a lot of times when situations get so overwhelming, you know what begins to happen? We begin to yap. We begin to talk about, we, we, we don't serve a big God. We look at all the problems instead of keeping our eyes on Jesus. And this is what this woman began to do. Twelve years of this, she got over into faith. And how was her faith ignited? And she said, she said, begin to speak to the mountain. That's Mark eleven twenty three. So we keep reading, verse 29. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Can you imagine what that was like? Twelve years of this hemorrhaging, and all of a sudden she knew something had happened. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And so even the Lord Jesus, he's not moved by our circumstances. He's not moved by our situations. But he is moved by faith. And here Jesus is literally mobbed by the crowds. All of them are bumping against him. But something happens within Jesus where he realized virtue or power had gone out of him. Now it's like us. When we turn on the electric switch or our light switch, it's if we connect to the power source of electricity. Even when that switch is off, is the power of electricity still there? It's still there. It's just waiting for someone to turn it on. That's the same as Jesus. Jesus is our power source. He's our electricity. And in this situation, this is what this woman did. She tapped into him and she tapped in by faith. How do you know that? Well, let's keep reading. You'll see it jump out here in a minute. Verse 31. But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched you? The Amplified said, The crowd was pressing hard against him. Now just think right here in your mind. Here's Jesus, and he's in this town. And all of a sudden, the crowd's just literally mobbing. And they're thronging against him, and they're pressing against him. And the reason I want to point that out, because here's this woman who's got a, a, an impossible situation. And it would be very easy for her to say, I don't know if I can get through the crowds to get to him. Because of the opposition. But on the flip side of this, this woman has what I want to label this morning, a holy determination. And it's if she says, I don't care what it takes, I'm going to get to Jesus. 
I'm going to get to there. And so what I'm telling you here, this woman was facing opposition. I believe God will birth a holy determination in every one of us. You may be believing God right now for something big. Keep on believing. Keep on trusting Him. Verse 32. And Jesus looked around to see her, to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And when Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has made you well, was Jesus saying, Daughter, your determination? Daughter, your heart to say, I'm not going to get away from that. Your persistence that kept your eyes on me. And I believe this is big for every one of us to say, you know what? I've got to have a faith stirred up within me. And often the only thing that's wrong with us as believers is we give up or we quit too soon. And many times within the church, we have this thought that if it's not easy and it's not real smooth, that I'm not going to go after it. Understand, the devil does not want you having the things of God. And he will oppose you. And if opposition comes and you give up, guess what he does? He celebrates because he knows he's won. The first thing I want you to see here is we need to understand we can live with a holy determination. Now go with me to the book of John chapter 5. John chapter 5, and as you're turning to John 5, this woman believed God, and it changed the direction for her life. I don't care what type of direction you've been on up to this moment. Maybe you've had stuff going on 12 years. God can change your destination. He can change what's going on in your life right now. The second we look at here is in John 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there's in Jerusalem by the sheep gate of pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five covered porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Now get that, it was a great multitude. In other words, there was a lot, a lot of people that needed help. For an angel went down of a certain time into the pool, and he stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was weighed well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. That is a deep-seated, lingering disorder. Actually, I look at this, and this guy could be the poster child of, of a person who's in discontentment. So you think about for 38 years here, this man's problem became the way of his life. And just maybe today, you've got a big problem that's been going on for 38 years. So let's begin to break this down and watch what begins to happen here. So when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been in that condition for a long time, I want to stop right there. This guy, his situation looked hopeless. And you may think right now, my situation looks hopeless. But don't allow the situation, the hardship, the problem, 
to cause you to lose hope. Because if you'll note something here, in verse number 6 it said, when Jesus saw him lying there. I want to give you a little insight today. Just as Jesus saw him, Jesus sees you too. He knows the very condition of every one of us in this room. And remember, Jesus' mercy is constant and his love is constant. And Jesus is no respecter of persons. So he goes on to say, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The New Living Translation says, Would you like to get well? Now when you see this, here's this guy who's had this for 38 years. Jesus looks at him and says, Hey, buddy, would you like to get made well? Every time I read that, I ask myself, what type of question is that? Why would Jesus ask him that? And I don't believe that it was a question about preference. I believe Jesus was saying, listen, buddy, you're going to have to live with some determination, some holy determination. Now look at verse number 7. The sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Now this man's response or his answer gives you and me great insight why he's been in this condition for 38 years. He said specifically, first of all, there is no man to put me in. Remember in Mark 5 with the woman with the issue of blood we just read about? She said for 12 years she had gone to physicians. And so in both these situations, what jumps out to me is when you only look to man, you'll only get man's answers. Her or this guy's eyes was on a man, it was on a human being. He said, I have no one to help me. See, the key here is, got to get my eyes on Jesus. Man can't fix me. Only Jesus can. And the second thing, he has a list of excuses here. And he starts naming them and says, you know, when the water starts stirring up, I have no one to help me, no one to push me in. And so it's if he's saying, if you were treated like me, you would act like me. But Jesus here wasn't wanting to have a pity party. I believe Jesus was asking him all this to say, Hey, dude, do you want to live different? Are you tired of being that way? Here's a thought for you. I better move these because I may break them. But I don't know about you. In my situations in life right now, that if I had these for 38 years, this would be my response right now. One of two things are going to happen today. I'm going to get on that bank right here, and I'm going to lay. And the very minute I see that water stirring up, I'm either going to be healed, or I'm going to drown. In other words, I'm not going another day and another year in this situation. I'm going to start believing God. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. So look what happens next here in verse number 8. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And so when I looked at 
It was if Jesus was provoking him to action. He was provoking him to say, listen, dude, get off the bank. But one of the things I see here when Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk, I believe this is important for every one of us, that just as Jesus was trying to put a picture in this guy's mind, rise, take up your bed and walk, Jesus wanted him to get to the point where he could see himself doing that. What's holding you back today? See, Jesus wants every one of us here, get off the bank. Get out of the boat. Start taking a step of faith and saying, you know what, Lord? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to live for you today. And here's a little nugget for you. Jesus wouldn't have told him to rise, take up your bed and walk if it wasn't possible. See, it's the same in our situations. So many times we say, it's impossible. It's too much. And the devil kicks back and he loves it when he brings opposition. But understand this morning, you can be what Jesus says you can be. You can do what Jesus says you can do. And you can have what Jesus says you can have. And just as the woman with the issue of blood... She started painting a picture in her mind. And what was the picture? She said, when I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. And that's the same with us. That as long as I keep moving toward Jesus and I get that picture in my mind, I can have those things and be those things. Now i got to take you to one more. Go to 1 Samuel 17. And in my opinion, this is just my opinion, I'm saving the best for last. You'll get When you get to 1 Samuel 17, you'll begin to see where I'm going with this. this is the story of, of David. Maybe one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. 1 Samuel 17. So David's brothers, remember he's the youngest of a whole tribe of brothers. And his brothers are up on the front fighting the Philistines. And his dad said to David, he said, Listen, you've got to take your brothers some food and supplies up to the front line. And so, man, David was eager and ready. So we pick up 1 Samuel 17, verse 21. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Man, I I can imagine this. They've been gone there. Man, he was so glad to see his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name. There he was. Now you got to understand about this guy named Goliath. He is the UFC undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. He's never lost. No one has ever taken him past round one. This guy, is he's bad to the bone, this guy named Goliath. When you study him, And so he is a literal picture of intimidation. So David sees him here, and he's coming up. And and he's coming up with the arms of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. So what would happen every day, several times a day, Goliath would stroll out. And not only was Goliath bad, he was a champion trash talker. And so Goliath would come out, and he would mock all the, the Israelites. 
saying, you know, you guys can't whip nobody day after day after day. And so David hears him saying this. Now, many times when we hear things that are spoken to us, we'll either gravitate to the things that were spoken to us, or we'll gravitate toward the Word of God. And I'll hang on to what God says, no matter what the Goliaths of my life are saying. Don't raise your hands, but let me say this to you. How many of you have got some Goliaths in your life right now? See, Goliaths will keep talking to you, and you know what he'll say? He'll say, man, that leak in the church parking lot, it's bad. And before long, pastor starts leaning that way, and I start listening to that junk over and over and over, instead of get back into faith and say, you know what? I serve the champion Jesus. I don't serve him. So David hears him. So we keep reading. Verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw him, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Now I found in my life, anytime I, I consistently run from the very things that I fear, I'll always live behind them. They'll always keep you in that place. And this is what happens right here to the army of Israel. They, they, they flee. Verse 25. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who's come up? Big, 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 big. Surely he has come up to defy Israel. But it shall be to the man that kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches. Pretty good gift. He will give him his daughter, even a better gift, and give his father's house exemption from the taxes. Wow, what a gift. So it's if the king is really baiting them, he's really buttering up because you know what? They don't just have a problem. They got a big problem. Actually, they got a big, big, big problem. And that may identify you right here this morning that you may have a problem. You may have a big problem. You may have big, big, big problems. And I'm either going to focus on the problems or I'm going to get my eyes back on God. So we keep reading here, verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the approach from Israel? He asked him again. See, you know what David begins to see? Opportunity. That's why he's asking. And remember, this year can be a year of opportunity. He goes on to say in verse 27, And the people answered him, saying, In this manner, saying, So shall be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his older brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. Why was his brother mad at David? I believe his brother saw that David wanted to do, to do something great for the kingdom of God. And it bothered his older brother because his older brother was more dominated by fear and opposition than in trusting God. So he goes on to say, the older brother, he says, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Do you, do you see the slap right there? You couldn't even take care of a few sheep. What are you doing up here? And then he ends this in verse 28. I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Listen, God will use people 
to oppose you. Not God, the devil will. He'll use people to ridicule you and to criticize you in order to try to keep you right there where you're at. And in this situation, he tries to use his own brother. So we look here at verse 29. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Now, how many in this room right now have a cause? Probably every one of us. So let's just go ahead and mark out the word cause and say, is there not an opportunity here? And that's what David saw. But with opportunity, with a cause, often will come criticism. Often people will begin to rule you, but David saw the possibilities that God saw. And it's amazing right here what a difference perspective can make. What do I mean by that? All the army, including every one of David's brothers, said, he's too big to whip. You know what David said? He's too big to miss. And that's where we got to get, where we begin to look at the situation through God's eyes. And he goes ahead and says this in verse 30. Then he turned from them toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. And when I saw here the word that he turned away, he turned away from his brother. And the devil right here tried to use Eliab's his older brother, to bring opposition against David in two ways. And he'll work often the same way in our eyes. Number one, he brought criticism to him. There'll be people many times will tell you, you can't do that. You can't ever achieve that. Who do you think you are? And often when people start criticizing you, they'll bring back your past life. That's the first thing. No matter what people say, when I allow the things of God to get rooted in my heart, I'll stand on those forever and say, this is what God said. Now, if you go back and you read this passage, all the way through, David would refer over and over, and he'd say, he'd say to Goliath, how dare you defy the armies of the living God? Everything that he would do would be based on Father God. There was a holy determination that rose up in him. The second thing that the devil tried to do to oppose him in verse 30, and when it says he turned away from his brother, I believe he turned away from his brother because he didn't want offense to get rooted in his heart. He didn't want to get mad at his brother. And many times that is an ambush of the devil that when you allow offense to get rooted in your heart, God can't move in your life. But in this situation, David says, is there not a cause? Even this morning as we enter a brand new year, what's the cause of your life? And just saying that, who or what are the giants you're facing right now? It'll take courage. And it'll take faith. But it doesn't matter if you've been in something 12 years. Doesn't matter if you've been in something 38 years. Doesn't matter if you're a teenager like David. Doesn't matter you're older. God is always looking for ones that will live with the kingdom cause. And right here, as this happened with David, he seized the opportunity and it literally propelled his life for the future. 
And I believe that's the same for many of us in this room today. I don't know what we're going through, but I can tell you this. 2015 will end the same as 2014 if I don't start living for a cause. If I don't start getting over with faith, just what happened with all these. If I don't get over and be filled with the Spirit like he said and start living with a kingdom purpose, a kingdom passion. Man, when I do, you study King David's life. It wasn't perfect, but what a journey. And that's how God wants every one of us to live today. Won't you stand up with me here? Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.